Discover new mind and body hacks to thrive as a human today. The Institute for Aliveness is here to teach you all the things you never learned in school. From talking poop, sex, childhood trauma, emotional intelligence, psychedelics, and of course, fasting and food. This is a podcast that changes lives. Join your host, Dr. Andrea Page, as she travels seven continents to find the most captivating, impactful humans for you. I am super, super honored and thankful to uh, welcome Matilda to the podcast for actually the second time. Uh, the first time was about, what, two years ago in in Switzerland. You, you sat there and kind of held space for me to like <laughs> lash out about the healer's ego trap and um, yeah, and share just how you know therapists and healers and anyone who claims to be doing the work kind of gets trapped into uh, a game of their own um if and when they haven't done their own work and here we are two years later talking about the real work yeah yeah we get a little background on yourself yes definitely um yeah i am i'm matilda i am i'm 32 I am, uh, I'm from Denmark um, and I have uh, a degree in journalism and strategic communication. And besides that, I have, um, I'm studying with uh, Gabor Mate on his compassionate inquiry training to uh, become a psychotherapist or um, I am more seeing myself uh, working with his with his training and with his wisdom in, in the role of a mentor. Um, I have a background of eating disorders, and I would also say that I've uh, I've suffered from depression, anxiety, the whole spectrum of stress, and like that that whole package. Um, but eating disorders is is definitely um, been the core. And you can then ask, you know, how much is is like what came first was it the eating disorder that came first or was it the 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 fear and anxiety that manifested as a, manifested as, as eating disorders i'm not uh I'm, I, I'm not able to answer that question like uh with a yes or no I, but i think they're very they're absolutely very intertwined and very linked um so yeah that's uh, i'm also a, a yin yoga teacher um yeah, I think that's uh, that's about me. <laughs> mm-hmm. And yeah. we, you can narrate a little bit of, of uh, history of how we met and your own mm-hmm. evolution in, in these years. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, yeah, I, I started uh, on a journey. My my eating disorders, um, just to put the frame, started when I was a child. It, like it started in the as a result of my parents' divorce when I was seven. So that was like the way I responded was I lost appetite. Um, And yet, you know, even though I've been in therapy throughout, like from I was 16, I think, um, I didn't really recognize that I had an eating disorder before I was 24, (laughs) 23, 24. Uh, which is absurd, you know, looking back at it, you know, I was both anorectic to begin with, and then I became bulimic. And just looking back and seeing how were you able to binge and purge and not be able, like aware that I was, you know, that I had an eating disorder. Um, 
that took a long time, that took many years of, of doing, of having that pattern, that self-destructive pattern. And, and one day, and I just like, I remember the situation so explicitly of like recognizing that there was something really wrong and and that perhaps I had an eating disorder. And I looked up, I, I Googled bulimia and I just, you know, had that like, fuck, this is what's going on. <laughs> um, so that was like the, the kickstart of a journey of um, first and foremost, like embracing that and like, okay, this, this makes sense. This is why I'm struggling. This is why I'm not, you know, I'm not thriving. Um, and then uh, I started in, in therapy and like uh, in Denmark, we have a, we have a, a big um, public sector. So that, that's where you would always go to the public sector. Um, and I had a horrible experience in psychiatry, like a horrible, um, was not seen, not recognized. It was basically just being like psychoanalyzed and like seen as this social security number that had to fit into their system. And I did one like setting of, um, of group therapy that did not work. Like the, the only part of it that actually worked was meeting other people who had the same thoughts, the same patterns as me that like gave me that, like that calmed me down. Like, okay, I'm not the only one who's this fucked up. <laughs> That's, that was like the, the, that grounded me to some extent, you know, I'm not alone about this. There's, there's more to this. Um, and my last, um, my last session at the, at the psychiatric clinic was a, was not a one-on-one -on -one session. It was a session with two psychiatrists and I, they basically accused me for lying. I had improved like dramatically. I had done so much like inner work and been so consistent in my eating and, uh, had gone from having this very like disordered eating pattern of, of overeating into going into eating three, three meals a day, which was like breakthrough I'd never done that like not even in my childhood had I eaten three meals a day and suddenly I had done that all by myself um, and they accused me of lying because I had lost weight because the consistency of eating had meant that my that my weight had normalized to some extent and they basically accused me of lying and I I got so angry and I walked out of there and I I, I slammed the door and I was just I, I made the promise and the commitment to myself that that I was going to show these people that they're wrong, you know, <laughs> I was uh, that I could do better. You know, this could not be the truth. This could not be the way of helping people. This was just not right. Um, and I remember being told that normally it would take five to six years to recover from an eating disorder. Um, that was like the data back then. And I was just like, I'm fucking going to show these people that I can do this faster and quicker than anyone else. So I, I really had like that fire, but more than anything, the fire in me was really like, I need to understand this. I need to understand what this is about. Um, and that has been driving me ever since. Um, I think it's worth mentioning that I come from a doctor's family and my dad is a doctor, he's a surgeon. And so, and his work is, has, it is already, it's so big a part of his personality. And he always talked about his work from when I was very little. And so I'm, I'm, I'm trained in thinking that way about pathology. And so I, you know, when I look back now and I find it hilarious, but I, I wanted to find that list of conditions 
that you know would mean that you got an eating disorder that was what i was that was the truth i was searching for and i couldn't find it anywhere you know no matter where you read about eating disorder you get this very fluffy description that it's social family and psychological issues that create this and you, you can't there's no one who's got any straight answers and i was just like i need to figure out what this is about um I now understand it from a very different perspective, but that, you know, to go back to, that was big, like turnaround of like my, of your question. But I, when I slammed that door and like set that intention, I'm going to find the truth of this. I created my own healing plan. I decided that uh, like I made several steps of like, this is what I have to go through in order to get well. And the first was obviously very much around food of like, uh, finding normalizing stopping uh, even though I had made the point of like eating more consistently I was still uh, binging and purging so that was like the first step of like uh, trying to find ways to cope with that and the final step I, I think I had three steps the final step was uh, learning to meditate and, and practice yoga because no matter where I read about also depression um and anxiety, it was said, like mindfulness would, is really good. And so is like embodied movement. And uh, in 2016, I made, I'd made it that far that I was ready for that. And I, I planned uh, a two months journey to Bali. Uh, I had a, a dear, dear friend who told me that once, like years before, that you would really love Bali because it's so, um, it's so feminine. And they, they, you know, the, the, the culture, the way they described it of how they used flowers um, just like captured me. And she, it, the way she explained it just gave me this strong longing to go to a place that was, that was like that, of like the, the silence and the beauty and the, the community. I think that was like so anchored in nature. And I just felt that longing to go to that place. So I booked a ticket and the, the second thing I did after booking a ticket was I booked a three-day fasting retreat at the, at the yoga barn uh, where you worked. And uh, in many ways, I booked it in. So I, I think it was my third or fourth day uh, in Bali that I had was scheduled for that, you know, fasting. And it was really with the intention of like, I want to let go. I want to get rid of all the old and like, I want to start fresh. I want to cleanse. Um, so that was like the, the kickoff and like two also that two months exploration that in so many, so many ways, like shifted me and changed my life, um, and, uh, deepened the journey in so like in so many ways, but, um, yeah, that's when we met Monday morning at nine o'clock at the, at the detox department. Uh, you into like making the introduction to colonic and I'll never forget it. <laughs> and I was, I remember how uh, horrified I was about the idea. And yet it was, uh, it was not as bad at all as I, <laughs> as I thought it would be. Um, I remember the, the, I think it was 11 o'clock appointment I had with you. Uh, where I was already really hungry and I was, uh, I was feeling like the, like that emptiness in my stomach that I had been so used to, like in my eating disorder pattern. And I had stepped away from by eating regularly. And I, I felt it so strongly. And I remember walking like up to your office and you coming out and asking me, how are you? 
and I, you asked, I said, I, I'm hungry. <laughs> and you asked me, what are you hungry of? And then I just started crying. And I think that's the first time I really like got to that core of like, it was, you know, that's also when I look back, it was the first time I got to the core of like, this is not about food. This is not at all about food. Um, and it was a absolutely beautiful experience of fasting. It was challenging as well. Um, but on the, the fourth day when I woke up, um, I felt embodied in a way that I had never felt before. I felt alive in my body. I felt all cells, like all into my fingertips and my toes. And I felt so much joy that I couldn't, I, I, I cannot remember feeling that much joy since being a child. And I, <laughs> my favorite track at this point was a Justin Timberlake track. It was like his latest big track. I remember dancing around in my little small ballet room, completely naked and just being so fucking joyful. And so um, loving my body. It was the first time I really felt like, oh my God, what my body's capable of. It's this, it's this magical thing that I, that I have done everything to fight and to uh, tame and to like, I, I used to be disgusted by my body. I wanted out of my body. I, I did not, I was not safe in my body. And so feeling that shift of like, this body is like, is my vessel and it can do the most magical things. And I, I felt myself, I felt like something so different inside of me that I had never been in contact with before. Um, that I have, like, that was like the, the first like burn of that, like, who am I? And, and I remember we talked a lot about that in like in the consultation as well. And I had no idea. I had no idea what, what, what it meant and who I was basically. I had no idea. Um, so that's been the, the journey I've been on ever, ever since of like, um, finding out, you know, I've, I've been saying, you know, I've been recovering from eating disorder. Yeah, that's true. But basically I've been, I've been finding myself. That is, that's been the journey of like figuring out from, if you peel away all the conditions, the belief systems, the, the so-called trauma, you know, it's, it's a word that I, I think is so, so misunderstood. Um, if you peel all of that away, all of the expectations, all the uh, conditioning that the personality, which is basically one big, um, it's one big fake mask of, you know, filling in the holes of, all, of, of, of pretending uh, or not pretending, but because that's, that's not the intention. So it's, it's like words are really important in this in this context, um, but the personality that was developed in the conditions as an ordered as a way to survive, as a way to cope with what was the reality or the perceived reality, um, and like peeling all those layers off <laughs> one by one, <laughs> and um, yeah, figuring out uh, who I am and. Uh, learning all those, um, all those um, things about what it really means to be human and 
what a struggle that is as well as beautiful and magical and blissful it is it's it's also um it's also a struggle yeah so that was a very long answer to how we met thank you and i remember as well that astrology played a, a role right and you're in that knowing. yeah absolutely when i um it was uh, one of the my final days of that two months journey in bali I, I i booked a session with you because there were so many um questions that had developed you know since the fasting and and all the yoga that i had been practicing and and just like that was and in regards of health because i'd been like coming consistently to your health talk so it was just i was presented to this this whole world that was so different so different from the world i grew up in um and i was uh i was i think i was scared when i look back i was scared of, of going back to my old world of like how what the fuck do i do with all this knowledge you know how do i how do i that that does not it was like what an oral it was like they do not fit together how do i go back into that um representation of who matilda was and what she believed how do i go back into that old frame it was like that was scary now, of course i was not meant to but that's what integration is about but um yeah and, and in that session you offered me a, an astrology reading and it was a, a 10 minutes 10 minutes reading you did uh live and no one had ever like uh described me so perfectly in terms of who i am you know beyond uh what i was told that i like through culture through uh, the western world through family systems uh, who I was told, uh, brought up to be, and then, you know, who was, who was beyond that. Um, it became a, an ex like a very strong mirror to me of like, of understanding that I, wow, I have a lot of Sagittarius energy and Sagittarius is the, is the free spirit. It's the black sheep. And it's, um, it's one that is searching for truth, you know, which was already the journey I was on. Uh, very like rooted in in meaningfulness and um, um, also this idea about being a trailblazer and I always you know this idea about being the black sheep was like I always tried so goddamn hard to fit in you know I was I was the good girl in all ways and I tried so hard to fit in and then like being told, well, your true nature is to be the black sheep. <laughs> and, and in some ways, yeah, I already knew that, but it, I was just never allowed myself to be that. And then of course, it's like, it's been that journey of also embodying then that, what does it mean for me to be the black sheep? What is that? Does that mean that I, you know, have to be the black sheep and I have to go against, you know, no, the mainstream, no, it doesn't. Um, but it means that I am, you know, yeah i'm here to question like the uh, the status quo i'm here to question what we take for granted and what we believe in and why we believe it um and that um yeah that is a big part of who i am like absolutely yeah yeah and that's actually i i had forgotten that as much as i had remembered um that there's also scorpio in your chart and so yeah. that brings a tremendous amount of depth and presence and the the courage required for the underworld journey of transformation and, um, yeah yeah 
I definitely am still, you know, my my Mercury in Scorpio, I'm still, you know, that, you know, I have that. I remember you call it that that's like the archetype of the investigative journalism. And, yeah. and that was my, when I, I started uh, studying journalism, that was what I wanted. Like, that was so much what I wanted. And then when I, I got into it and saw, you know, the, saw how all the structures of our society worked. And I, I worked, I worked in politics. I did my internship in politics and I was just like, I cannot do this. This is not like, it was, <laughs> it was a, a really, it was a heartbreaking experience. Um, but yeah, then, you know, now recognizing that so much of the, like the whole way that the training I'm doing with Gabor, the compassionate inquiry, it's really like, it's an investigation into your mind, into the very, very depth of your mind and why you are the way you are and why you believe the things you believe. And it's, it's just such an alignment of, of um, yeah, of, of what, what was written in my chart and what I'm manifesting. And it's, it's, it just happened organically, you know, uh, which, is, uh, which is so beautiful. Yeah. Yes, 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 yeah. I mean, the quest for truth is, is uh, with Mars and Sagittarius, I'm highly biased. <laughs> the only the only worthy one there is, and you know, it's not about fighting the system at all. If anything, we invoke a Buck Munster Fuller attitude of creating a new system that makes the old one obsolete. And um, the Sagittarian arrow, right? Sagittarius means arrow in Latin. That's actually the logo of Tifa. It's the the uh, pine tree. It is that that quest for truth. It's and it's it's going beyond, right? It's not going against. It's going beyond what's known, and so it's very much a journey into the unknown. And um, yeah, that is the the quintessence of trailblazing and being a pioneer, going where no one's gone before. Yeah, there's no one to follow, and so it's actually it makes me reflect on because earlier in the conversation I think before we started recording you had mentioned that you had craved for mentors but never really found them mm -hmm. um and I I don't feel dissimilar <laughs> right I feel I feel similar and so I wonder if actually the pioneering spirit doesn't get mentors right that that's not part of it's not part of the <laughs> part no, of the that, that makes you know that makes a lot of sense it makes a lot of sense and yet I think um there um there are definitely wisdom keepers you know that you know and and i i guess it's also about learning to identify you know and and, and when you like at that point back then that early on the journey i was not you know um i was not able at all i think i would be more able to to identify mentors today that not for them not to walk their path but to have like some kind of supports, like sounding boards um, to not also get, because that's, you know, that's the shadow side of having a Scorpio mind. It's like not getting lost in my own mind of like the depths. Uh, I think that that's very, very important for me to have that, just to have a conversation with people who, who understand or have, like knows more than me. I think that's also, I also, because there is, in the Sagittarius, there's also so much much optimism, mm. and that is is sometimes also a shadow. You know, you think I I have this like I can do anything sometimes, and and the I'm it, it 
it manifests all the time with time, like my scheduling of time. I'm such a time optimist. And, and I, that's just one of the ways of like, um, yeah, being too optimistic is not always, um, it's not a good thing. So finding the people who can also like um, yeah. help, yeah, help hold that space. Mm -mm -mm. Um, so I want to know more about uh, kind of the lineage of, of trauma studies and trauma theory that you're coming from and studying with Gabor and um, working through compassion and inquiry and how then you couple it with um, your desired work uh, with people with eating disorders and like all that throughput for you. Yeah, I think that that has been, um, yeah, that's an interesting one. And it, it's something I've, um, I, yeah, I'll, I'll say it in this way. There's so much in the, the compassionate inquiry is, is structured as a stepping stone system. So it's, um, it's, it's basically, he, he doesn't call it, um, he calls it a modality. It's a way, it's a stepping stone program that's, that's uh, created with the intention of making people uh, go deeper into themselves. And also like you use a current trigger. Uh, so the client would come with a trigger in terms of what is happening, what is triggering them in their life right now. And you, they would explain what happened like in detail. So you get like what happened, who said what, who did what. And why does it trigger you? And then you would go back and you would you would ask like the client, and that's a very 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 important part of it is like asking the body, what do you feel it in your body, uh, which is different from normal psychotherapy. Like that is just a talk. That that is a mind game. Here we we go into the body. We ask, where do you feel it in your body? And we allow the client to take the time to feel what is moving in my body. Where do, where do I feel it? And then you, you inquire into what is happening in the body. When is the first time um, that you had this sensation? And then you go back into the childhood. So or not, it doesn't always go back to the childhood, but it, 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 it shows that what you were triggered about in the present is never about the present. It's always about the past. You also help on, on that journey, you help uh, the client identify what belief they made about themselves in in that first experience of having a sensation of, of having this particular sensation, and and that it 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 very often goes all the way back into into childhood and uh, into that belief that we made about ourselves and. It's, it's very often, you know, the, the very common beliefs is that I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, I'm not important, I'm not, uh, I'm not chosen, I'm not lovable, I'm wrong, you know, um, in one way or form, uh, no matter how it's like explicitly framed or the, the, the client frames it, uh, that, that's like at the very core of it. And then learning and helping the client to see is there any other personal interpretation? Like with what you know today about your life and who you are and the environment you grow up in, is there then another interpretation about what happened back then? Was it actually about you? 
or was it just that your parents were really busy and they were trying to make a living and you had uh, two sisters that also took up a lot of time and they were stressed and they were under pressure and they were um, that was what happened and maybe it was it was not more than that but that is what the child does um, that's the child psychology and it, that um, a child and it, it, it changes around the age of seven there happens a shift in how the the consciousness works but from the like leading up to seven you the the baby's in this bubble of believing that the world is only about them so no matter what happens externally the the child will always perceive that there is something wrong with me if someone, if mom is upset or dad is upset, it's about, because I did something wrong. And, and we can go back and we can look at that, those situations and we can inquire into, is that, is that really true? Is that, is that the truth of what happened? Was it about you? And then we help, you know, rewiring the belief system, rewiring the pattern, rewire the story that we created about ourselves so that the next time we experience the same trigger we can remind ourselves that okay i know why i'm being triggered right now and it has nothing to do with the present it has everything to do with what happened back then um, and that is where the change happens that is where we stop projecting our um our pain and our confusion and our suffering outwards but we start taking responsibility for how we show up and how we behave and how we the choices we make as well because this influences you know on all levels of who we are and i i think there's gabor talks about the responsibility in a different way than the word is normally used he he expresses that the ability to respond and and that is what we're talking about here this work is initially it's not a it's not because we want to talk about the childhood you know that there's so many psychologists and also psychiatrists that has this aversion of like it's not important to talk about the childhood and and yes it is it's 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 very important not because of necessarily what happened because of what we made it about like what we made yourself believe of what happened the story we told ourselves and that means that in the present in the now we can we become able to res respond a different way. Yeah, that was a <laughs> yeah, that was that was aligning the truth about what happened because the truth will set you free. Um, yeah. And in in the work that you're doing with Gabor, is he bringing in compassionate uh, somatic experiencing as well? He like his 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 training and his way of thinking is so much based on Peter Levine. Yeah. Um, it's it's based on it's it, he he's like very clearly saying that this is not something I have created. I have I've had different teachers that I have learned from, and and now I have now I have come up with this modality. And 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 what's so like, yeah, it, it's not it's not it was never his intention to teach it. He was he created this by himself and started working this way with with clients suffering from addiction and um started doing workshop shops and then uh this lady who's the, the co-inventor of, of compassion inquiry who's called satharam uh she saw him work and she was like this is what you're doing here is really really like that's really powerful and you need to teach this and he was like no i have nothing to teach and and but and she was like she 
kept on like uh, encouraging him to to teach it so they have like created the training together uh, not not from his like need but because she she said you have something really really important here that you can learn other people and i i am um, I love that because he's also he's not coming from that space of having ownership in any of what he's you know he's he's teaching or doing or he's he's a very um humble and honest man um which I I, I appreciate so yeah he's his work is so he I very often quotes Peter Levine and he um he's also very um and I'm very influenced by A.H. Almos um who's a spiritual teacher and I'm currently reading, he's written a series of book called The Diamond Approach. And that is very, very much. So if you're, if you're interested, like listening to this and interested in any of this work, I can highly, highly recommend uh, a book by A.H. Almos and that's A-L-M-A-A-S. Uh, the first book in his book series about the, the diamond approach because he's basically uh, lining up the wisdom that Gabor has used to influence by other things as well. And of course, he's experienced as a physician and working with clients, but lining up like the what this work is about in that book. And he's doing it very, very brilliantly. It's very easy to um, incorporate and like understand. Um, mm. Yeah. 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 Mm. And then, so whereas, let's say, Gabor is working specifically um, or intentionally with addiction um, and you've kind of taken it into the realm of, of disordered eating habits and patterns, and will you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, well, you know, yeah, Gabor's, uh, Gabor comes from the place of working with addictions um, and he defines addictions in this very broad way that... Um, that addiction is anything that you do. I don't remember the word specifically, but is every any pattern or behavior that you do, that you do despite knowing that it's not in your best interest, but despite knowing that you cannot stop it. Um, and and that's like that's a very broad definition of what addiction is. So it, in that sense, addiction can be anything, and that is that's his whole point. Like he talks about that he was addicted to buying classical CDs. He had like an obsession with buying classical CDs. And it was, it was to that extent that he would like leave his practice when he, you know, there was clients booked in and he would leave his practice to go and, and buy CDs. And, and so that, that just, you know, we can laugh about that. Yes. And it, and it's, it's such a, it's, uh, it's freeing. It's so embracing. Uh, and in that sense, you, yeah, eating disorder falls under the category of, of addiction. It, it does, whether you suffer from bulimia, whether you suffer from anorexia, whether you suffer from um, overeating, uh, or you suffer from uh, over-exercising, uh, it all, whatever, you know, all these new terms of megorexia and autorexia, and it all fits into that category. Uh, however, I do believe that, that eating disorders in some ways um, is more complex than and, and other addictions, and that that's to make it worse or to make it you know uh, put extra suffering onto it. That's that's not the point. But there is the layer that eating disorder is so related to the body. It comes with like 
very often um, body issues, like as the mildest like expression, and then that deep self hatred, like deep self hatred, and the not feeling safe in your body. And you know, I I, I remember how I, I basically just and it, it's I wish that I could live in a different body. That's how my how disgusted I was about my own body. So that's that's a layer that you don't have in 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 other addictions. And then there is the layer that in most other addictions you would be able to uh, step away from it you can you can choose to uh, for a period of time to be in an environment where you are not um, exposed to whatever your addiction is so if it's alcohol it's a substance if it's porn if it's shopping no matter you know what what else it could be you can you can choose to not put yourself in situations where you are exposed and where you risk getting triggered. Absolutely. And um, with food, that's 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 difficult on the long term. You know, yes, you can do a fast, and and we can talk more about that. Um, but but most human beings will need food like two or three day, times a day. Like that that's the the norm. Like no matter how, but but would need food um for um just like as an everyday uh essential and to survive on the long run and and so that makes it um that makes it more it makes it more complex um and of course you know i i would love to hear your like we i know we talked about this before like how this then the, the context of like eating disorders and fasting and and i have like just shared how powerful an experience i had like what a breakthrough it was for me to fast and like step that that was basically stepping out of my addiction i stepped away from food for 3 days and it was like major uh shift in consciousness for me um and yet again it's also like it's such a tool that can be misused in the situation of suffering from from eating disorders. So as much as it, you can fast with the intention, like the right, uh, honest, authentic intention of, of like meeting yourself and connecting with yourself, um, it can also be misused like anything else in the world. You know, it, it can be misused in that setting. So I think that's that's what makes eating disorder a more complex um, um, process. That's what Gabor talks about. He, he, he basically does not believe that there is such thing as mental illness. He, he's, he says that there is one condition and it's called PSTD and it manifests in different variations, uh, in different degrees. And he calls that different processes. So it's like an internal process that lives in you that can be named eating disorders and yes it's it's beneficial that we can name it something so that we know what we are talking about but besides that beyond that this idea about talking about different mental illnesses um he is, is just not a believer of that which i am uh, absolutely leaning <laughs> leaning towards and and uh, is also my experience you know and and so that's where when you go back into the work of like the question of how do i work with it um, CI is structured in such a way, the stepping stones, that it actually does not matter what your, what your external condition and what your inner process is, 
the, what matters is to find the truth of it. And uh, what is also like very, very important uh, talking about this is that Gabor, and he uses Peter Levine's uh, definition of trauma, is like trauma is not what happened to you. That's, it's, it's so, this is so, so, so important. Trauma is not what happened to you. Trauma is uh, what the, 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 like the, um, is it, is a result of like the disconnect that happened inside you from yourself, from your true essence. So it's, it's what you made of the trauma, you know, um, and how it, it manifests for you, what happened to you. And so furthermore, trauma is not only what happened to you, Trauma is also what did not happen to you. And especially when we talk about childhood, uh, did you have a safe environment? Did you have a, 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 like an, a, a, a grown up person, an adult, or like some kind of um, like a, a trusted person that you could talk to about what was going on for you? And that's, that's essential in this work. And that, that's what Gabor always, you know, that's one of the stepping stones is like having found out like what happened to you. It's like the next question is, who did you talk? Who did you tell? Who did you talk to? And if you didn't tell your parents, then why was that the case? Because if you didn't tell your parents, then there has already happened something in you that meant that you did not feel safe to tell your parents. And, and that's the era. It's not what, what specifically happened. It's the era that, that for some reason, um, you did not feel safe to express yourself. And so, so that's very important. The next very important thing is the the link to essence and this, uh, I said it before, it's the, it's, the, it's the disconnection from self. And when he talks about self, whether you want to, he calls it true self or essence, whether you call it that, whether you call it soul, whether you call it divine, whether you, like whatever word you want to use, but that which is you that goes beyond, um, that goes beyond uh, time and space. Um, that is, um, yeah, your, your, your essence. It's, it's such a, um, yeah, it's what you were, you were born into this world, who you were, who you're here to be, like, uh, what, like your purpose, all of those things that lies in your true self. And, and that is basically, um, uh, that is basically what you recover. And, and, and Gabor talks about this. He has this quote that I just absolutely love. And I was just reminded about this morning before our conversation around, like there is this saying that when you, like that you recover from addiction and then like he rhetorically asked, but what is it that you recover? Because if you recover from something, it, it has to mean that that, that, that which you are recovering was there before uh, and that it was not broken and there is, it was not dissolved, it was there, but you just had to find it. So when he says that when he asks like patients or clients of like, what did you recover? They, their response would very often be, I recovered my true self. And, and that's like, that's what this is about. It's not about um, and that's where I started my journey so much, you know, when I slammed that door uh, for eight years ago to this psychiatric ward, I wanted to figure out why I had this problem that was, you know, labeled as an eating disorder. And I thought that was, that was the journey I was on. I was on a journey to fix a problem. 
you know, I, I have this problem, I want it to go away so that I can just live my life peacefully. And, and the journey was instead, you know, so much a journey of like finding myself, finding my truth, figuring out um, all the, all the like misbeliefs I had about myself, like uh, pushing through my low self-worth, my beliefs that I'm not good enough, that I'm not, um, I'm not a priority. Uh, all those things, that is, that is the journey. And that is also the journey of, of healing from an eating disorder. So in this sense, you know, yeah, you know, I can list up a whole lot of different things that characterizes what an eating disorder is and how it manifests. And, and like this, maybe also the steps and the processes that you will have to go through of like, what is, if you look at it, like a, a persona with eating disorders, then what, what are their difficulties? Um, and yet again, there is this, like, it's also, it's the individual journey and it will be individual for all of us of like how that is expressed and how those steps are taking. Like uh, I have taken them in my direction, but someone else will like do it completely opposite. And, and that's, that's the journey, that's your journey. And I, I think that's, that's really, really, really important. So that's been like one of the, like, yes, I, I, it's my absolute, um, it's, it's, uh, it's my dream to work with and, and, and like support other people going through this process um, in, in a role of like, yeah, having the, the openness to talk about my own story. Um, and I, we talked about that before, like in, in a role of a, of a mentor. Um, but a mentor is, is, uh, is, yeah, guiding the process, not giving the answers. Um, and, and that's what I see myself doing of like, yes, I, 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 I have a knowledge and I have a, I have a wisdom that I could, could never have read myself. You know, that's, I, that's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. I could never have read this in the books. And that's also, you know, what I find with more, you know, uh, I'm writing on a book um, on the topic on eating disorders and like my own journey, but also like all the, all the research I have found and like all the, yeah, the, the, the core of the eating disorder, like, and uh, yeah, that's, that's a work in progress. Um, and some of the, the other, like, people who work professionally with eating disorders, who have also walked the path themselves, they say, uh, yeah, I, that they just don't believe that it's possible for people who have not worked, walked this path to really, really understand this condition because it's so it's it's so multi-layered and it's so it's not only about the self-worth and the like the psychological and the mental the patterning it's also so much about the body and that's very important to mention it's so much about you know getting comfortable in your body it's about also releasing one thing is releasing the stress mental like the trauma mentally the stories mentally but they're also stored in the body and so there needs to be, needs to go hand in hand with body work in some way or form. Um, and that's also like, we use that in CI, we, we work through the body. As I said, we always identify where is this situated in the body. And that very often releases, creates a release of that like energy or stagnation or like whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I have like my journey has involved a lot of like a lot of body work as well, like releasing that. And so whether that's through uh, 
yeah somatic energy work or through like there's so many modalities that can like that, that, that can hold that space but that's um that's really important as well mm -hmm. yeah there's so many threads to pick up on there um in relation to the commentary around fasting and eating disorders i do think it's um necessary to speak to given my experience i mean I, I was quite clear from the beginning always to never work with anyone with an active eating disorder um i i knew intimately how it could be used you know against themselves and um there's also a separation in the world of fasting right there's a lot of people who are out there who are just on a very physical body level and um I think probably at least publicly in my career, I, I delivered that more where this is something that happens in the body. And this is a physical pathological uh, phenomena that we can witness and healing can occur. Um, but because my, my naturopathy practice was always parallel to uh, my practice and teaching of advanced yoga, that there was always a, a depth and consciousness that, that wrapped around the practice. And so what we practice at the Institute for Aliveness, as well as the initiation, the online fasting program is, is conscious fasting, which is very different than juice cleanse or detox or anything like that. And that's always what I brought to it. And that's why the, the programs that I, I led in Bali were so successful because they were transformational programs, not only on a level of physical and watch your body heal and see how great you feel and how flat your belly is and how clear your mind is, but truly that, that process of uncovering yourself and that was always the emphasis and so for something like that um i was very aware that um, there were multiple clients throughout my time and a lot of them were from denmark or sweden hmm. who had active eating disorders who came through and um either they would be at their end or whatever and um yeah there was this very sh clear shift into understanding the body reconnecting with the body celebrating the body going back to the core of whatever it was and starting to you know release that and and see life and walk through life differently and um yeah so it's it's always been like a gift almost to to that world and um i remember you told me last year that you were um working with or reading the book of a woman who was doing research on the concept was eating disorders are uh, women, young women with eating disorders are processing the pain of the world or something. Will you speak about that? Um, it's a book. Yeah, it is. It, it's a book. It's another book that I would highly, highly recommend that is written by um, um, a woman from Hawaii. She's not from Hawaii, but she lives in Hawaii and has a healing center in Hawaii. Uh, specifically for eating disorders called she's called Dr. Anita Johnston and the book is called Eating Under the Light of the Moon right. and it's it's a book that I came across yeah last year just about a year ago and it was uh, it was like um, it was like finding the bible but already have created the religion myself in some way it was it was just like reading that book was like oh my god this woman is like she's writing she's speaking to everything that i have come across so far on my journey but she's putting it into words in the most 
like and and of course expanding me as well because she had a like she came from that space of uh, being a, a psychologist and having worked with women and and with eating disorders for 20 years like now it's 30 years it's, yeah now it's 30 years so she sits on an enormous wisdom and what is so so beautiful about her is that she she comes from um she comes from guam and she grew up in like in a community like based uh, way of living and then she she came to hawaii and and finished her uh, psychology training there and so she what she did was that she became a, like having that background she was a story listener and so what she started doing with all these women that started coming to to this clinic uh, was that she recognized how different these women were and how their stories was totally different. And yet they had something in common. But I, I think that it's so important, like her background of being able to listen to the story and like look at what what goes, what is the red, what is the what what connects these women, even though they on the paper look so different. And what she came across was that they were extremely sensitive, like extremely sensitive, all of them, and very emotional uh from childhood very intuitive uh very like uh in that sense of, of just knowing things you know being able to walk into a room and knowing exactly what's going on and how everyone feels uh so that very the very very feminine energies and how they were all very bright very talented very creative uh and yet they did just not at all see themselves that way they say saw themselves as wrong as not good enough, as not fitting in. Um, and she explains this by like by culture, by um, by being that feminine and being that much like from from childhood and in childhood being that much in touch with, uh, yeah, with something that goes beyond yourself. Um, and then growing up in a world that's so masculine, that's so like we're so <laughs> Yeah, the patriarchy. Uh, it, it's so logic. It's so linear. It's so goal oriented. It's so like all these expect external expectations, um, adding for women all you know the expectations on how our body should look. Um, you know, she says there's there's no like of course these women would uh, not feel right and feel welcome and they're you know. Also, and I, I recognize that for myself of like feeling so much as a child and always, you know, feeling how everyone else were and then asking, you know, someone like if I ask my parents out, oh, is, is there something wrong? And then being told back, like, no, everything is perfect. And you know, it's not the truth. And so I, you have your... Um, your emotions rejected over and over and over again. Um, of course not, um, of course not with that intention, but because that's how we, our society is structured. There's no room for that, for the inner wisdom. There's no room for like, uh, you know, making decisions from your gut. You know, when people ask you, so why have you decided that? No, I'm just following my gut. You know, then people, like a lot of people will roll their eyes at you and say, okay, oh well, my God, she's, she's, She's lost. She's lost it now. She's lost the plot, and and yeah, you know that that's that's our that's our nature. You know that's how we that's how we should be working. So there's that disconnection from 
from the body. And, and that's why she talks about like eating disorders is so linked to sensitivity. Like the, it's so, you cannot separate it um, because it, it is the, it is the, 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 the women who feels the most that of course will be most affected by living in a society that not at all embraces anything that's emotional. Um, and, and she put it in this very, very beautiful way that she, like she mentioned in the book, she mentions all the different layers of this. So this is like, the, this is like the basic foundation of it, but she, then there comes, you know, the, the, the whole aspect of like, like the, the femininity in terms of the cycles, the rhythms of being disconnected from nature, being disconnected from your period, being disconnected from your sexuality, which is, you know, is so much more than sexuality as we've been trained and taught, you know, sexuality is like it's life force. It's like it's what it's it's our true self. So there is that repression also. Um, as she explains it of like or suppression of the sexual energy because that's also like feeling a lot if you feel your life force moving through you and you're very sensitive that's overwhelming you know that's really overwhelming so it's that like unconscious shutting down for that it's shutting down for anger like anger oh my god i i have not learned to be angry before i turned 30 you know i've never you know i i said i i always would say like no i'm just the kind of person who doesn't get angry i always understand how other people are and that's just bullshit you know it is it is true that i I always try to like, no matter how angry people make me, I, I, I see where they're coming from. I see beyond their actions. I see beyond their, um, yeah, beyond what they're doing. I'm trying to understand why are they doing what they're doing. And that invokes a lot of compassion, you know, for the person, which means that it's more difficult to be angry at them. But it, there's also something about owning that anger. And I, I really think that's also key in like, Key, a key element in eating disorder is that fear of being angry. And still to this day, it's, it's scary for me. It's scary for me to be really angry because there's, it's, it feels like my whole body is like just burning at 100 degrees and I don't know what to do with it. Um, so there's, um, that's, you know, that's a process of like that embodiment of like learning to feel your feelings, which is such a big part of, of eating disorder recovery. It's like really learning to feel your feelings, not only on a men like understanding the feelings, but feeling them in your body and being comfortable with it, being comfortable with all the sensations that they invoke in all the different body parts. That's like, that's a big one, very big one. Yeah. So the, in many ways, the, um, this, like, if you are like, um, struggling with eating disorders and you're listening like in whatever category or you know someone struggling with eating disorders this book called eating under the light of the moon like I highly highly recommend it um, and even also if you struggle with with addiction like because it it um, it, it just goes about it in such a compassionate way and describes it from such like a such a way of like looking at the cycles and, and understanding it why and uh and she mentions one last thing i will like will say about it as she she mentions this thing about very often also when i started in therapy you know the first part of eating disorder recovery was normalizing your eating that's what it's called you have to start eating three meals a day 
and there's no doubt that you know that was that was my first step too and there's no doubt that there was a lot of healing in that because you started getting your appetite back and there happened a lot of like things on the psychological level also in terms of mood swings and and depression and anxiety that gets balanced out by eating you know more regularly no doubt about that um but she talks about this idea of having a lock and being in a river and not being sure that you can swim to the shore. And so you find you, you come across a lock that you can hold on to. And, and that lock like that, that's, and then maybe I'm, I've taken it two step, like a step too far now, because what this is about is like not seeing, um, not seeing the eating disorder as um, as an enemy or something, a problem to get rid of, but seeing it as a coping mechanism, like really, really seeing it as that, that it, that is all it is. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. There's really, really nothing wrong with you. It's a coping mechanism and it's, it's your way of dealing with stress. That's all it is. And you can find other ways with time. You can find other ways. And that's what she talks about with this lock of like, the lock representing the eating disorder, but instead of like letting go of the lock immediately and try, try to swim to shore uh, in your, in fear and in like being totally in panic that you're not going to make it, like learning to tread waters, learning to swim, you know, around more and more times, learning, gaining, gaining the confidence of doing that. And then when you feel ready and you've practiced that and you're confident and that you know, I got this, then you let go of the shore, then you the lock and you can swim to shore. And I, I that's such a different mindset. Gabor talks about the same in terms of addiction, like uh, you're not going to let go of your addiction from one day to the other. It's, it's, it's that process of finding other ways to deal with the feelings that comes up for you. That's that's the pathway. And there's so, 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 so many ways of doing that, like um, also on a, like a nervous system level, which is something that you have, you've taught me so many like modalities within that framework of like ways of like calming the nervous system down and like really seeing is it that switch like I can, okay, I can choose now to, to, to switch my nervous system off. I can choose to, to do something differently in this, in this very moment that will support me and calm me down. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Two birds just came and landed on me. Hmm. Allegedly. <laughs> that quality of yeah, switching over to the parasympathetic nervous system more than anything, being aware of the state of your nervous system. I always said in all of the yoga teacher trainings that I taught on that that's the biggest gift that a yoga teacher can give is is that awareness. Absolutely. The bridge from sympathetic to parasympathetic as we relax. And um that's obviously also what's required. In, with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, to understand that you are in a stress response, right? That you are currently utilizing one of your coping mechanisms, whether it's binge eating or projecting and getting into arguments and fights, and um, that one is incapable, incapable of uh, truly doing the deep work of self-reflection if in that stress response state. And so perhaps that's the entryway, is, is mastery over the nervous system and... Um, yeah, there's so much from from what you shared that um, that I would want to respond to, like the the discussion of from being in the psychiatric ward, right in Denmark, and your experience with that, um, to understanding Gabor's work and 
um, even in academia, the, the large movement away from uh, the diagnostic manual, the DSM, um, I'm actually watching the Netflix series Freud. I have one more episode left. I recommend it for you, Matilda, if you haven't, I think you like it. Uh, but it's, it's, you know, it's a German series and it's detailing in Vienna back to um, the 1800s and, and Freud's experience as a psychologist where everyone thought it was only a brain disorder and it was a dysfunction on the physical level that it had nothing to do with emotions or this whole other world. And so how does psychology evolve? And um, our neuroscience faculty at TIFA is Megan Lipset. And she talks a lot about what's called the RDOC movement in academia, which is yeah, this complete movement away back towards embodied uh, psychosomatics, the understanding of somatic therapy at large and um, how we will evolve. And it's just beautiful to be, you know, part of this class of humans. And this is really what the Institute for Aliveness is for, is to give kind of a framework and a paradigm for the entire revolution that we're having in humanity. And that's what up-leveling humanity means. It's because we can talk in all of these verticals, whether it's addiction work or eating disorder work or compassionate inquiry um, and somatic experiencing and all of those uh, fields. And then you bring in this work of this woman in Hawaii that, that brings in the feminine aspect to it. We've just uh, entered in spirit semester, the life cycle month. And um, in the second phase of maturation, we discuss moon cycles and we discuss um, the massive hormonal disturbance of our disconnection from nature and women's disconnection from their bodies and their cycles. The fact that a man's cycle is 24 hours. That is a man's hormonal cycle, right? Where cortisol peaks in the morning, testosterone peaks uh, early morning, right? Then it shifts off by 3, 4 p.m. And this is how our workday is modeled. You know, get up, go to work in the morning, stop. And like for a woman to move into the workplace, the amount of stress that that creates, not only to think about she has a baby at home or this or that, but that a woman's cycle doesn't fit that, that it's a 28 day cycle about how the hormones move and shift and peak. And um, yeah, all of that can come in, right? And then we come in and you mentioned sexual energy and like, this is, this is actually the end of our year, the end of spirit semester. It's all of this unseen where someone's like, oh yeah, I'm super healthy. Yeah, or I'm a yogi or I'm all these things. And, and yet there's not only the, the fields of childhood trauma, which is a huge part of our mind curriculum, but like all of, but, and I don't have sex with my partner. Yeah, we don't really sleep together anymore. I'm not really interested in sex, you know, that kind of thing. And um, it's just like, let's, let's do a full inquiry on, on what it means to be a thriving human. And let's redefine that. We released um, a few weeks ago, the woke index. I don't know if you saw it. It's a bit cheeky, uh, but that, that quality of like, oh, you think you're woke, like, great. You know, talking to that kind of person who would even say something like that. Like, let's really look at the different levels, the different sectors in our life, the different experiences that it means to make us human. Uh, and let's unpack them with where each of us can have room for improvement and, and focus where we wouldn't have otherwise been paying any attention. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I think, yeah, I, I really I love what you're saying here. And, and also this, you know, idea that, that this is an ongoing work, you know, I, I think that's, uh, I think that's also what, 
what my journey has more and more clarified, and I said it before, you know, in terms of recovery, I, I went from that space of like fixing a problem into recognizing that it was actually a, a journey around like recovering myself, finding myself, but that that is a continuous job. And that we, we I had this, I had this perception, you know, that one day I would get over it. And, and perhaps that is also a perception that is created by the psychiatric system that, you know, then there is that, then you recover and then you're out of the system and you, it, it's just such a different way of working mm. or it's like seeing the world. It's such a different like layer of consciousness in, instead of like, yeah, these things and also the childhood trauma. Yes, you can, you can shine light upon them and you can heal them. You can work with them. But trust me, they will, you know, they will, and that's not to discourage anyone, but, you know, they will, they will find new ways to manifest in your life. And, and, and that's the same, you know, with, with all this work, it's like, it will continue. It will be there for, for the rest of your life. There will always be more to work on. There will always be more to awaken to. Um, and I, I think that has also been a, that was a big chunk for me when I, I, when I recognized that, you know, because I had so, I worked so hard to make it to the finish line. And then I recognized that, that then I started, you know, it's weird how the finish line keeps on moving ahead. <laughs> and then at one point, like, okay, there is no finish line. I will never be ready. You know, that perception of like, I will be ready, like, uh, the same is it's such a conversation relationships when are you ready for a relationship like are you ever ready for a relationship like because you know the the new partner you meet will have will show like hold up a new mirror for you that you've never experienced before in this constitution and so it's yeah that that's being human you know that's 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 life and that's what's you know we can see it as a gift or as a curse that's that's basically um yeah mm. Beautiful. It's a beautiful place to stop. Is there anything else that you want to share? Oh, there's so much. There's so so much I could say. Um, I think it's it's really like what you talked about in terms of like the um, the revolution in the like within the psychology and psychiatry and like also the whole like um trauma psychology feel where there's just the, the embodied feel where there's just happening so much like it gives me so much uh gives me so much hope like really really hope in terms of like getting out of this uh old system that is so patriarchal it's so like that's just the, the how it's structured how it's like it's set up it's just um it's not really for humans you know um and uh, I, I remember, um, I remember when I when I realized that I, I had eating disorders. Uh, my biggest dream was just to to go away somewhere and be in a place where there was someone who could take care of me. Not in the sense of like letting go of my responsibility of taking care of myself, but just being a really really safe setting where I was really supported and and where there was nurture and warmth and uh and in nature I, I i had this picture of like i would wish to go to a place like that a sanctuary like um i think the closest place i've been to that is uh is the bali's island retreat um that has that like container of just like silence and of nurturing and like um you can be yourself within that environment and yet you're so supported no matter what you do um 
that's what that's what healing should be that's the container that should be set for healing it's like off oh, and and that is not what the world is offering right now it is not what the world is offering and that um that pains me um and so that's like that's that's a big like dream of mine to one day be able to create such a space where um people can come and be themselves and be supported and and yeah there can be uh, whatever kind whatever healers or helpers or supporters or mentors or whatever you know but but that you know safe space to surrender like really to like fully surrender to yin of just being like helped and supported that's that's what you know no matter what you're challenging with that's like i believe that is what will heal us it's not um it's not doing more it's doing less you know it's connecting with ourselves yeah. Thank you so much, Lou. Thank you. And I, I just, you know, when you talk about fasting and you talked about, you know, the Institute from Aliveness and the initiation, I just recognized that, yeah, in so many ways, that fasting experience is the experience I had. Like, it was an initiation. It was an initiation into myself. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply, deeply grateful for that experience. Um, and for all that you have uh, yeah that you have the path that you have like presented to me with the work you do so thank you for that you've always been a major inspiration to me so thank you for having me here that's you know that's uh such an honor yeah thank you you're really big mm-hmm. yeah thank you i was listening to that for you If you learned from or moved by the episode, pay it forward. Go to Apple now and leave a five-star review so others can benefit. Join the Institute for Aliveness for a one-week transformational fasting experience. Consider getting an astrology reading from Andy or enroll in the one-year health coach certification course. Whatever you do, don't let this learning pass you by. Do something now to impact your lifestyle for good.